This is the Fedora Chronicles radio show number 49, breaking news special report. I'm your anchor person, Eric Render King Fisk. Doug Palumbo and I talk about the earth-shattering news that Playboy magazine will stop featuring fully nude women in their magazine. This development, coming out of the Hefner mansion, sounds more like an April Fool's joke. We also talk about Steven Spielberg talking about making a fifth Indiana Jones movie, and Doug's overabundance for love of the Rocketeer. We may also cover other subjects, such as Daniel Craig's wishes and desires for the next James Bond movie, with or without him. I know, confusing, isn't it? But first, a couple of announcements. Fans of the Fedora Chronicles radio show can now show their love by going to Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. We have dozens of products already up and with more on the way. We even take special requests. If you have an idea for a product, you can always contact us via Twitter, Facebook, or on the forum. Speaking of the forum, don't forget to check back to the Electric Speakeasy once in a while and chat with your other fellow retrocentrics, diesel punks, fedora aficionados, and various other scoundrels of all genders in various states of vintage attire. Shop Amazon via our link. At no extra cost to you, we get a little kickback that helps us keep the lights on and the drinks flowing. Just click on any of the Amazon links on any of our pages. One last note, winter is on the way, and you know what that means. Even better weather to wear your fedora. While every season is perfect weather for Adora, winter is one of the best. Also, there's no better way to cope with the snow and the bitter cold than with a brand new crisp fedora. Check out all of our members' approved vendors on the Fedora Chronicles. So, with that said, at long last, here I am with Doug Palumbo. I, I think that's the bumper for the new show. Whatever. <laughs> Anyway, as I stated uh, in the show opener, this is a Fedora Chronicles special report with breaking news. Did you hear the breaking news? Uh, depends on what the breaking news is. If it's, if it's what we talked about earlier, then yes. If not, then no. Okay, then we have two topics for a show. Okay. Right off the bat, um, this just coming in across the wire. I'm, I'm actually inserting teletype um, background noise right as we speak. Playboy magazine is going to stop publishing fully nude women in their magazine. Yes, I read that. What do we think about that? As as married men, what, what do we think about that? And should we say anything well, about this? Because this is a, this is a, a, a quote, family show. I, you know, I, I think it's a fine topic. Um, uh, Michael French... Of retro blasting said it best on his Facebook that, uh, you know, I guess we'll see now. I'm paraphrasing him, but I guess we'll see now if uh, men really do read Playboy for the articles. Yeah. But I think it's, uh, I kind of think it's a smart move. I mean, because you have magazines, I don't know, back in the early 2000s, I guess, there's, and I think it's probably still around, but you had magazines like Maxim and these, um, I would call them sensual magazines, but they weren't pornographic. They were just, you know, girls in bikinis and, you know, subjects, men, cars and cigars and whiskey and all kinds of quote-unquote manly stuff. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's a lot of that out there now. 
And I think, you know, I was reading that Playboy's subscription is down to, what is it, uh, 80,000 copies? A, a what? 80,000 copies? I, I think it's 80,000, 800,000, something like that. I mean, I'm sure we can look it up. Um, I don't have my computer on me, so maybe uh, your little magic fingers can uh, check on it. But the, um, yeah, so I mean, it's like way down. I mean, they're, they're still putting it out, but, you know, I think they need to get the magazine in more hands, and the only way to do that is to cut out the nudity. And, you know, there's, if, if, if nudity is what you want, it's no secret that the Internet is where you get it. And for free, why would you buy Playboy magazine when all those pictures, plus many more, are available for free on the Internet? Well, So they're going to have to come up with something that is not available, that is their own unique take, and rebrand Playboy into something that it's in the 21st century. You know, I'm not saying nudie magazines are, you know, old school, but I think they're, uh, you know, they're gone the way of uh, ooh-la-la, like in Back to the Future uh, yeah. Part 2. You know, it's like, you know, it's one of those magazines. It kind of has that feel to it now. So, you know, I like the fact that they're going to try to branch out and make it uh, more of a accessible brand. If, you know, that could be, you know, said. I think it's a good move. I have the press conference right here. Um, it is... I can't believe that I'm actually doing this on the Fedora Chronicles radio show. It is an article from Playboy.com. It's uh, for you uh, who want to listen and follow along um, without your um, your picture pages with your special pen. And go to Playboy.com slash articles slash no dash nudity dash announcement. And the headline is Playboy is doing what? By playboystaff.com, photographer, it doesn't even matter because it's not even, you can't even see it. What's the point, Eric? Come on. So here, here is the announcement. As you may have heard, Playboy is going to be non-nude starting March 2016, which actually comes out in the month of February because that's how magazines roll. This means that the models, celebrities, and yes, playmates will not be naked for the first time since our founder, Hugh Hefner, laid out the first issue in 1960, uh, 1953, 1953. I know, right? It's, you don't realize how long Playboy's been around. Oh, yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, they're still going to show, I mean, if you're into that, nudity on the website, um, if I'm uh, for the subscribers, that's what I read. But, uh, yeah, I think it's, you know, Get it into more hands, and the only way to do that, take up the nudity. Well, here's the rest of the the press conference. Uh, this is the rest of the press release. The question everybody will likely be asking is why Playboy has been a friend to nudity, and nudity has been a friend to Playboy for decades. The short answer: times change. When Hef created. Playboy, he set out to champion personal freedom and sexual liberty at a time when America was painfully conservative. See, any popular movie, TV show, or song from that era, nudity played a role in the conservation about our sexual liberties, and over the past 62 years, the country's made great strides politically and culturally. We would like to think we had something to do with that. We Last year, we relaunched Playboy.com as a safer work 
site and discovered something about our readers and our identity. The bunny transcends nudity. Tens of millions of readers come to our non-nude website and app every month for, yes, photos of beautiful women, but also for articles and vid videos from our humor, sex and culture, style, nightlife, entertainment, and video game sections. We are and always have been entertainment for men with the award-winning journalism and fiction to boot. Playboy is a cultural arbiter of beauty, taste, opinion, humor, and style. Yes, we're taking a risk by going non-nude, but this is a company. And like all great companies, not including the Fedora Chronicles, the risk is in its DNA. It was built around a magazine virtually no one thought would succeed, and now is impossible, for us anyway, to picture a world without Playboy. Our journalism, art, and fiction have changed norms, defined expectations, and set a new tone for decades. So we say, why stop now? I have no problem saying I freaking hate it when people release press releases like this. And you can tell this was written by a committee. And they oh, were absolutely. I, I hate it when it was just like, I think the, the entire notion is polishing a turd where mm -hmm. they, they say and do things not, and it was just, they try and put a positive spin on every, on anything. Like when they, like everybody wants this, this is what everybody wants as opposed to our magazine is failing and we need to do something quick. Oh yeah, exactly. I used to read Playboy magazine from cover to cover because it had a little bit of everything. It did. I mean, people joke about, oh, I just read it for the articles. But they had some, they had good articles, great interviews with a lot of, you know, interviews with people um, where you, they would say things in Playboy that you couldn't get them to say elsewhere. And, um, like you the, know, funny like, cartoons. Yeah. And everything. I mean, it, I mean, take the pictures out of it. It was a fun magazine. And, um, you know, it had like stuff you couldn't get anywhere else. The now, yeah, the celebrity interviews. Get it everywhere. Yeah. The celebrity interviews were really essential. I remember this one interview that they had with Larry King and the things that he said about his life before and after he started broadcasting were inspirational. If you want to do something, just do it. Just start doing it. Find a way to do it. Get in there somehow, some way. And I don't think that that's a, that's a difficult concept for a lot of people to grab, or maybe it is too hard. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, Harrison Ford had an interview, um, the long-form Playboy interview, where he said some things about how much he hated and loved doing Han Solo and Indiana Jones, respectively. There are a lot of things that he loved about doing those movies, and there's a lot of things that he hated. Uh, why the funk is Indiana Jones wearing a leather jacket in the desert? That's one of the questions that Harrison Ford asked. The fedora you can, you can understand, but the leather jacket? Uh, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, well, but, you know, it looks cool. I guess that's the point. But, yeah, yeah right, I mean, you know, they were able to get people to open up and say things that, you know, might not have been said elsewhere. Would, would Harrison Ford have ever said anything like that if it wasn't for the kind of interview where uh, you're expected to say almost anything? Right. I, I don't think so. What's going to happen to famous centerfolds or centerfolds who became famous, like, um, like Jenny McCarthy? And Anna Nicole Smith, what's going to happen? I guess they'll be wearing bikinis now. I mean, you know, I think the 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 the, the time of the Playboy centerfold becoming famous is has, has long since been over. What was the last centerfold who broke into the mainstream? 
Who broke into the mainstream from Playboy magazine? That I remember? Yeah. Probably Jenny McCarthy. Yeah. I mean, that's the only, I'm, there might be others, but that's the only name that I can come up with. Could you make an argument that um, Jenny, someone like Jenny McCarthy would, would make it with or without Playboy? Could you say that you could look at her and say, uh, no, um, there's just no way that she would not be who she is if it wasn't for Playboy? Or could you make the argument? No, I, I think Jenny McCarthy would have. I mean, listen, I, I think, you know, some of her um, social and political views are not what, um, not along my lines, but, um, you know, she has a certain amount of talent and is a kind of uh, quirky has a quirky, funny personality, and, you know, she did some stuff with MTV and some uh, some other movies where, you know, she carried, you know, herself well and was entertaining, and, you know. Um, so, I, yeah, I think she, she, she could have made it without Playboy, but I think Playboy gave her the opportunity to uh, um, put herself out there with um, maybe less effort, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough to decide that. Well, anyway, in other breaking news, Steven Spielberg is talking about the fifth motion picture to feature the character Indiana Jones. Don't want to call it Indiana Jones 5 because Raiders of the Lost Ark will always be Raiders of the Lost Ark. Right. So what do we think? What do we think about that? You know, my favorite of the four movies is uh, Temple of Doom. I mean, I've always liked it best. Um, for a lot of reasons, because it's chronologically the first one. Yep. And uh, even though it's, you know, it was released second, but chronologically it's the first one. And I just like it. It, it has some, like, campy moments, but overall it's like a darker, grittier film, and Indy is, um, he's a lot less likable. I mean, as a yeah. character, he's not a likable person. I mean, I, I know we've had this discussion before where Indiana Jones is revered as a hero, and he only is because he has to save himself. And then through his saving himself or through his actions that he, he, he benefits himself, other people also benefit, you know, by chance. Yeah. And, uh, but he's in it for himself and to save his own neck and to, you know, benefit, you know, his, his school and museum. And, you know, he's not in it for the, uh, uh, fortune and glory. For the academia of it. He's in it for the for the fortune and glory. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but um, I don't know. I think uh, I think Indiana Jones is the kind of character that that lends himself to be uh, very much like James Bond. Uh, he's the American James Bond. He could be the American James Bond. Yeah, give him give somebody else a chance, and you know, people have been talking about Chris Pratt for a while, and maybe he's overexposed. I don't know, but. I can't think of anybody else at this moment that has that. You don't have to be like Harrison Ford, but Indiana Jones has to have a certain wit and um, drama and um, action adventure about him that, you know, few actors can pull off. Um, and I think Chris Pratt could, you know, just looking at Star-Lord, I think he could easily pull it off. And uh, I, for one, would, you know, love it, you know. There, it doesn't mean that, you know, um, the Harrison Ford Indiana Jones wouldn't have, doesn't exist anymore. It's not a reboot. It's just a continuation. It you know, better you, be. You don't have to, yeah, just give, make it a, just like James Bond. I mean, they don't really say when these movies take place. I mean, you know that they're in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s, you know, because of when they were made, but they don't say, you know, 
maybe it does, but they don't say, you know, uh, Bucharest, 1966. Right. You know, there's there, there's no date stamp on it. So it could be really any time. And so, you know, I know Indiana Jones does that. They, they, they put a date stamp on there. But don't do that and just make an adventure movie that looks like it could be the 40s or maybe the late 30s or it could be any time. Exactly, know? exactly. And just make an adventure movie and have fun. I think they've um, they started taking themselves a little too seriously. And, uh, you know, I, I like all the movies. I, I think they all have something to offer. Even Crystal Skull, I think it's a fine uh, movie. I, I, I kind of put it in the same league as um, Ang Lee's Hulk movie, where it's like, I, I, I get artistically what they were trying to do. I right. don't know if it was as successful as what they envisioned, but it's like, as, as a director, I think Ang Lee really, he, he, he swung for the fences with that movie, and it, it just wasn't um, a success um, for many reasons, but artistically, I, I think it was a fine movie. Yeah. The way it was filmed and, and his his cinematography and the way they did the cutscenes and everything. And same with Crystal Skull. I, I, I appreciate the way it was made and I get what they were trying to do, but it just sort of fell a little flat in certain areas. But again, they all have something to offer. I think it's a viable character that should continue, but I just don't think that it's reasonable to have um, Harrison Ford as a 70, mid-70s Indiana Jones and have him running around doing stuff. I mean, could he do it? Yes, but I think it's it's a little ridiculous because the action in Crystal Skull was quite, um, uh, you know, pedestrian for Indiana Jones. And, um, you know, he's running around a little bit, and that's about it. And if there was other work, it was stunt work. And, um, you know, with, with a, a stuntman, and I think that, um, you know, if he wants to pass the torch, make it, you know, make, uh, like Chris Pratt, Indiana Jones Jr., you know, and, uh, pass it on, fine, or just make, just don't even talk about it. Make him, uh, Indiana Jones. And, you know, yeah. I think it's time for Harrison Ford to hang up the hat with Indiana Jones. You know, it's kind of like, I'm sorry, it's kind of like the Rolling Stones where, you know, they were great. They're a good band, but I mean, come on, how many times can, you know, uh, 70-year-old Mick Jagger be prancing around on stage, you know, pursing his lips out and trying to be jumping Jack Flash. You know, it just gets a little um, old after a while. And I think, I'm not saying that's quite what Harrison Ford is doing, but it's going to get to the point where it's going to be a little ridiculous and they need to, they need to pass it on. Um, it's tough for me because I'm, I'm now 47. Mm-hmm. I don't feel 47. Uh, I I feel like um, I'm still 18 with or 24 with the usual aches and pains. Um, from my perspective, and I know that we've talked to th- about this to death, so we should really kind of keep it short. Um, they made a big, huge mistake by not making more films between um, 1989 and what was it, 2005? 2008. I agree. 2008. I think that was the biggest mistake. Huge mistake. Huge mistake. Like the, the Crystal Skull should have been a, a 1995 movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not a 2005 movie. And, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, I, they're, they're great movies, 
but it's 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 a segment in time that needs to be um, appreciated for what it was, but it needs to move on because the character deserves um, an actor. But listen, Harrison Ford did a fantastic job, and whoever, if anybody else wears the hat, they have a big uh, they have a big hat to fill. But you know, somebody else needs to take it over that can handle it. And like I said, not too many people that I could think of can. I used to think um, Matthew McConaughey could do it back um, when he was a little bit younger, back when he did Sahara. Um, I think he would have been a um, an interesting choice. I would like to have seen that maybe, but uh, few people could can 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 pull that off. Um, I think a great Indiana Jones would have been. Um, uh, I mean, he would have been way too old, but. If you could have made Indiana Jones like, like in like a black and white serial, I think James Garner would have played a fantastic Indiana Jones. I think that it's like if they started making the Indiana Jones movies in the seventies. He would have been. Look at look at um, the Rockford Files. He's charming. He's funny. He's kind of uh, not a jerk, but he's really in it for himself. But he reluctantly helps. You know, he helps people, but you know, he doesn't want to get involved. But he does because. Even though he has a hard shell, he has a soft heart, and it's like he would have been, oh, he would have been a great Indiana Jones. You know, that would have been great. Start it, you know, like like James Bond. Do it with uh, James Garner, Harrison Ford, and now you know, pass it on. But you know, it's only been Harrison Ford. You know, it's a lot of what ifs. But I think it's time. As much as I love Harrison Ford, I think that's one of his uh, his most fun roles that I've seen him in. I, I think it's time for somebody else. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm going to make this one caveat. I think that it was like if whatever they ideas that they have, anything that they're they have on the burner, um, I think I think George Lucas is done. I think that George Lucas is done as a, as any kind of movie creator, writer, whatever. I think he's done. I think he's he's cashed out. He has enough money to do whatever he wants for the rest of his life. And I wish he would go back to making the kind of films like American Graffiti. THX 1138 and the, the, I, the go back to the original idea of Star Wars um, if you wanted to do an independent film it's a, a science fiction adventure I think that that would be cool so long as he would do it the same way and he needs a he needs a Gary Kurtz the way that he used to have back yeah. in his, his early days but for me personally I think that it was just like okay what what are they going to do with Indiana Jones in the early 60s I am interested in seeing that on the big screen. Sure, me too. I think it'd be fun. I mean, I, I'm even, you know, listen, have him, you know, maybe do one more movie. But, I mean, if they do one more, they got to do it quick. And it's got to be something that, you know, you know that is um, realistic for Harrison Ford to do. And but that's the thing. Indiana Jones can't be safe. It has to be kind of rough and raw and gritty and action-packed. And, you know, I just don't think realistically that Harrison Ford can pull it off anymore. I mean, he can do some things, but by the time they make this movie, he's going to be well into his mid-70s. That's just, I mean, it's just pushing it a little bit. Um, you know, but if he has one more in him, if they have a good enough story, then push it out. And then, you get, know, yeah, get into on. it. Because it's either going to be successful or it's going to be it's going to be received 
like Crystal Skull, which had some mixed reviews and got kind of panned from the indie fans, and which I think some of it was um, unnecessary, but um, you know it would uh, it would either have to be a, a big success or it's going to be uh, not so big, and, and then Indy's going to kind of whimper off into the sunset, you know, instead of riding high on his horse, and um, that would be sad. Well, let's not forget that um, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was the second biggest movie um, that summer. It was second only to The Dark Knight. Were it not for The Dark Knight, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull would have been the biggest movie of the year. And I, and it would have been, and they would have fast tracked a follow up to that. Um, I think they're going to have to do something different. I think they're going to have to do something new with a character in the 1960s because Shia LaBeouf is Shia LaBeouf, however you pronounce his name. He's blown up as an actor. He's done. I, I think he's a raving alcoholic, and I think that his career is done unless he can straighten out his act. Um, and, and and no swinging through the vines. Have Mutt go off to Vietnam. Have him send a letter back to his dad saying, "Listen, hey, we found these weird um, artifacts. We found these weird ruins or whatever. Um, could you check it out for me?" And then Jones has to go into Vietnam with all the political intrigue and you know try and find his kid in Vietnam. I think that that would be a really interesting that would be cool. movie. That I mean, would be a cool movie. There's a lot of people I didn't kind of, I mean I like Shia LaBeouf I think he's a great actor he's got some um, he's a little screwed up in his personal life it seems like but I think he's a fine actor and um, but I just and I don't blame Mutt necessarily on Shia LaBeouf I think he did what he could with what he was given and um, I thought he had a lot of charm I just think that there were some scenes that were just poorly written for him yeah um, like I, I can kind of compare it to um, Timothy Dalton as James Bond, where I think Timothy Dalton was a fine James Bond. I think he was probably uh, one of the better James Bonds, but his scripts were really not that good. You know, but him as an actor was fine. It was just what material he was given wasn't that great. You, um, you compare The Living Daylights with Casino Royale, and it was just like, that's the kind of movie Timothy Dalton should have been in. And I think he could have pulled it off easily. Yeah. I think acting-wise, he was the best James Bond in terms of, like, the quality of acting. Um, in terms of just charm and panache, you know, you know, pick your favorite. You know, I mean, they all have a certain charm to them. But um, I think that the quality of acting, I think Timothy Dalton, I mean, could have could arguably be the better James Bond. But... Um, Let's go back to Indiana Jones for a second. Sure. I know that um, Lucas and and those involved really wanted to make a movie that was reminiscent of the serials of the 30s and 40s, you know, the action-adventure, the, you know, will the hero make it till next week? You know, tune in tomorrow. And, uh, you know, I think for the most part they did a pretty good job, but um, we kind of talked about this earlier. There's one movie that I think is it's going to make a lot of people angry maybe okay. but I think overall is a better movie and better um, a better movie because it encompassed that that action adventure 
old-time Hollywood movie serial um, that really encapsulated the the period of the late 30s. It was set in 1938. Um, Raiders of the Lost Ark was 36, I believe. Right. And and but but this this movie did, I think, a better job with the dialogue and the 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 set design and the costumes, and it really brought you into that time period. And that movie is The Rocketeer. I I knew you know when you, when you, when you were when you were greasing the skids when we were when we were having the pre-show and you said you were going to mention a movie that you think is it was was better than Raiders of the Lost Ark. I was driving to pick up my kid, Copper Top Fisk. And I, what movie could he possibly be mentioning? Silverado, maybe? Uh, no. Uh, Untouchables? No, he said that wasn't going to be it. And I was just like, he's going to say Rocketeer. He, and I, I, I'm like, oh, I should have, yes. I would, I would um, debate that with, with the biggest indie fan. I love Indiana Jones, don't get me wrong. I, it's fun and exciting. And everything that, you know, um, anybody can enjoy that movie, but to, to me it's clearly made for, you know, an adolescent boy. You know what I mean? And, um, but it's, um, the, the, the Rocketeer had um, charm and, you know, it had the love story and it had, you know, a likable hero. Even though Indiana Jones is liked, He's not likable as a character. We've had this discussion. Yeah. And, you know, he's a dirty, gringy, you know, in-it-for-himself kind of guy. And, but Cliff Secord, I mean, that's the guy you want to be. You know, he's a hero. And uh, it's just with the gangsters and the FBI, and it, it, I think it, it perfectly captured a, a, an American idealized version of 1938. And it was just... Uh, Wonderfully done by um, Joe Johnston, who went on to uh, direct uh, Captain America: The First Avenger. Yeah, and even Captain America had that same that that perfectly captured time period um, when he was in the forties, and just I mean that that same wit and charm, and just overall, I think it, I maybe saying a better movie. It's not appropriate, but it was better executed, the Rocketeer, than um, any of the Indiana Jones movies. I just looked this up because um, I was like, uh, was the Rocketeer ever released on Blu-ray? And lo and, yeah, behold, uh-huh. lo and behold, there it is. I own it on Blu-ray. That's the one movie I have to get on Blu-ray. It is fantastic. Just a wonder. I mean, it's one of those movies where I suppose you could remake it, but it would be an injustice simply because, listen, most movies should not be remade, but they're not my property. So whoever owns the property has every right to do with it as they wish. Um, but Rocketeer is one of those movies where I, I know it's an overused uh, saying, but it was lightning in a bottle. Everything about it was perfect. It was perfectly cast. Yeah. It was perfectly written. Um, everybody was um, charming and really owned those characters. You have um, Paul Savino as the gangster and his interactions 
with the guys from the FBI. I mean, it's what you would imagine, you know, 1930s gangsters and the FBI would, you know, do. Like, you know, it's not realistic, but like I said, it's an idealized American version of what that was. And uh, yeah. it's just, you know, Cliff and the rocket pack and the American flag and everything. It was just so well put together. And the, the, the real connection that Cliff and Jenny have and his relationship with PV and everything about it, it's just, it was perfectly executed. Indiana Jones, again, well done, but it was, it, it seemed less organic to me. I'm not saying it's a bad movie again, but Rocketeer was a much more organic movie than Indiana Jones, which you could see as being um, manufactured to look this way. Now, again, this is going to make a lot of people angry, and you might not want to air this episode. You <laughs> might get a lot of backlash from it, but that's just the way I feel. I think that I'm going to have to put links to this podcast, to all the Rocketeer fan pages on Facebook and Twitter and whatnot and see what happens. Um, I want to wrap this new special up with the final final news item that I had, and it's taking us back to James Bond. Before I say anything else, um, if they were going to, um, since Disney has all these properties now, I think that I think it would be cool if Disney did... A, 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 a version of the Avengers with all these characters from the 1930s and 40s and see what happens. You have um, Indiana Jones. Um, you would have the Rocketeer. I can't think of any other characters. It'll come to me after we're done recording. But the last bit of like news... Like ultimate fanboy version of, of uh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah, a diesel punk version of the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. The last news They'll item. They'll never do it, but that would be if if somebody could make a fan film that was like good, I would watch it because that, of course that'd be who wouldn't want to see Indiana Jones and the Rocketeer fighting side by side. Come on, and who who wouldn't? Um, actually, contemporaries. I I had two two news items that I wanted to bring up. Um, the uh, the two more news items I wanted to bring up. Daniel Craig said in an interview after filming Spectre, he said that he would rather smash the glass that was sitting on the table in front of him and open up his own wrist than do another, uh, I almost said Indiana Jones, another James Bond movie. Right, and, I read that. And the internet absolutely totally imploded. And there's a lot of people who are saying that Daniel Craig was taken out of context. He's not saying that he, he, he's not saying that he hates James Bond. He said that Spectre was just so exhausting and, and I had heard that, that that it was a very tough shoot, and they were shooting like, you know, they were just recently doing some reshoots, you know, and it's a month or whatever, a month and a half before the movie's released, you know, so I can understand why he would feel that way, and he has every right to say it. Exactly. Um, I, assuming what he said was direct, I don't know, and not taken out of context, then, you know, he needs to be more careful, because you're going to really alienate a lot of people that... Um, put you up in a position to say that you that you are the best James Bond. And, you know, you don't want to piss those people off. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't have your opinions, but you just need to be careful in what you say. I, I think that that's true as well. And with all the rumors floating around saying that they're going to release Daniel Craig and that they're going to have somebody like Damian Lewis from Homeland and um, 
um, band of brothers come in and play James Bond and just is pick up... Is that the redheaded guy? What's that? Is that the redheaded guy? Yeah. Yeah, I, you know what? I don't care. You know, just be a good James Bond. They, there's, there's also rumors that Idris Elba, uh, the African-American actor, uh, tons of movies, he played Luther, he was yeah. in... Um, he was in um, Thor. Yep. Uh, I forget the character's name. He was the guy that that, that ran the gate. Yeah. That, you know, let them go places. But you know what? He seems he's handsome. He seems very charming. Who cares if he's black? You know, I mean, James Bond can be anybody. If he can pull off the James Bond character, does it matter if he's black? Then get it done. Then get it done. Get the job done. Yeah, exactly. I, I I would rather see a virtual unknown like um, Sean Connery back in the early '60s. Find another Sean Connery, somebody that you've never heard of before. And would you mind if it was a, a, a black actor or somebody else? Is the script any good? Is the story any good? Is I, I couldn't care less. It's it, it's like um, when people ask me, how do I feel about gay marriage and should there be gay marriage? It, 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 don't ask me. It's as soon as you ask my opinion, you've invalidated the question. It, the thing is, is that I think that there are some straight couples who had should never have gotten married. Take my parents, please. Um, no, I, I think it's it, is the acting any good? Is he a good actor? Um, I, I think that there should be. Uh, but he, I mean, here's the thing. Um, could you imagine a white man playing Shaft? Valid question. You know, it's the same thing. Same. If he's a good enough actor, I guess why not? I mean, you know, but James Bond lends himself to be because we've had so many different actors and so many different styles of James Bond. The character has now lent himself to be anybody. James Bond is rather um, faceless. You know, it's it's not about who is James Bond. It's about the character and the and and the story. If, if if you put a good enough actor in that spot, anybody can be James Bond. And if he happens to be black, so what? I, I just would like to um, Eon Productions to know um, I am available. I am I'm mm-hmm. open to playing the role of James Bond. Absolutely. Uh, I if. Um, if Stephen Moffat doesn't call and uh, asks me to pick up the role after uh, the role of Doctor Who, after Peter Capaldi quits, um, I want to be the first Irish-American or Irish-Welsh-American to play the Doctor. Um, well, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me rephrase what I said when I said anybody could be James Bond. Almost anybody could be James Bond. <laughs> Are you putting me down? I will never put you down. I'm just when you when you said that, I just have to rephrase my statement. Say almost anybody can be James Bond. Almost anybody. I think either of those roles would be fun to play for any actor whatsoever. Um, of course I, it would. It's like it's like a it's like a a, a a free pass to be you know the coolest guy in the room forever. Well, I, yeah, but the thing is, I, I don't need to be James Bond or Doctor Who or the Doctor to be the coolest guy in the room. I I can do that all by myself. Now, unfortunately, the room is full of fifth graders, but I mean, hey. You know? Hey, I'm the coolest damn fifth grader there is. So what, I'm 47. It doesn't matter. Exactly. Um, w- one final thing. Um, 
Uh, Star Wars Battlefront. Did you get to play the beta? No, I didn't play the beta, but I've seen the um, the video of the uh, gameplay, and it looks pretty spectacular. If you are a first-person shooter and you are a Star Wars fan, you are going to have to get Star Wars Battlefront. Um, I'm not a first-person shooter fan simply because um, first-person shooters um, tend to make me a little... Um, I get what is that like seasick? I guess you know, like it, yeah. it throws off my my uh, equilibrium after like five minutes. It's like my boys will play a first person game, and I have to like walk away after a while because it's like gives me makes me a little queasy. You have to be but, in, uh, you have to be in control of um, of the player so you don't get that seasickness. Because the thing is, well, when people... I like to see the character, right. I and totally it understand. Like some of the video, it looked like you could do a third-person perspective. I don't you, know. You can. You can do that. You you absolutely... I could actually... I actually did that on accident. I thought, oh, this is going to be cool. Um, but the thing is, is that after playing um, Star Wars Battlefront, and then the time um, ended, and then they shut it down, um, I really wanted to go back and, and replay um, Wolfenstein... Um, uh, uh, the old blood and the new order, and I started replaying again, again, uh, the new order, and it is, um, it is the perfect way to bring this conversation full circle because it is one part Indiana Jones, it is one part Rocketeer, it is one part James Bond, um, it is, it is, I think the Wolfenstein games are the perfect, um perfect ones for perfect games for the Fedora Chronicles readers because it has a little bit of everything it is oh, okay. I've never played so that's a good recommendation though it is it, it is the perfect game and I just wonder if they're working on another follow-up to um, Wolfenstein it's a perfect so anyway Doug thanks for uh, another quick podcast this has been the uh, the Fedora Chronicles special report with breaking news and um, uh Keep your chin up and your fedora on. And, Doug, I'll talk to you soon. See you next time. All right, pal. The Fedora Chronicles radio show is brought to you by you, our listeners, in various ways. You can easily send us a few bucks via our new PayPal feature. The link is paypal.me slash fedorachronicles. It's the fastest way to keep this podcast on the air. And a very, very special thanks and thank you to all the people who have contributed so far. We're also brought to you via our Amazon link. Click any of the links to Amazon via our pages and then just continue to shop just the way you always do. We get a little something from Amazon at no added cost to you. Products are delivered right to your door while we get a little kickback. It's a trilogy of win for everybody. The Fedora Chronicles radio show is also brought to you by our products at Zazzle. Right now, we are featuring our Fedora Skull Wings collection on various items from shirts, mugs, and now flasks. Coming soon, drinking glasses. One final thing, click on our vendors link on our navigation bar on our website. You'll find a handful of quality Fedora vendors and hatters with really great products. Treat yourself to a brand new Fedora through outfits that have been pre-approved by you members of the Fedora Chronicles community. 
Featured on the Fedora Chronicles Radio Show number 49, we feature the music by the Dane Brubeck Quartet from the album Time Out. The track title is called Lugondo a la Kirk. It was released in 1959 by Columbia Records. If you'd like to purchase this album, if you don't already have it, you can find the link on this on this podcast's page. TheFedoraChronicles.com slash podcast slash episode dash 48.html. There you can find other contact and product information. Thanks for listening to Radio Show 49. Until next time, this is Eric Renderking Fisk signing off. Keep your chin up and your fedora on.